You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 65, Disabling Your Labeling. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. You're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected. This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hey, Mama, how's it going? Happy November. Hope you're doing well. Today's episode kind of piggybacks off of last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, it's called Your Evidence File. I strongly recommend that you do. It's all about how the brain searches for and finds evidence to prove itself right. And today I want to talk about labels, not the kind you stick on your kid's lunchbox before the first day of school, but the kind you stick on their identities. Well, simply, labels are adjectives used to categorize and describe people or things, Our brains love how labels help them be organized and efficient. Think about professional organizers and how they like to label everything. Labels help keep like items together so we know where to place things and what they're used for. When it comes to people, we like to categorize and organize them too to inform us how to think, feel, and act around them. Our brains are wired for survival and want to know Is this person safe? Can I trust him? How do I make sense of him? How do I classify him? Growing up, many of us were given labels by our parents, teachers, and peers. Maybe you were always referred to by your parents as the shy one, the sensitive one, or the wild one. Maybe your peers labeled you a jock, a ditz, or a nerd. Teachers may have told you you were gifted, lazy, or slow. Labels like these have a way of sticking, no pun intended, with people for a long time, sometimes their whole lives, which affects how they feel about themselves and shapes their behavior. Even seemingly innocent or positive labels, such as responsible, smart, cute, and funny, can burden kids with pressure to live up to them or with guilt when they don't. I've seen kids labeled as gifted or smart fall apart emotionally whenever they make a mistake, get less than an A, or struggle academically in any way. They're so hard on themselves because they believe that their worth is tied to their label. The truth is, though, that labels tell us more about the person doing the labeling than they do about the person being labeled. Behavior that one person views as confident, for example, may be viewed by another as conceited. What one person views as shy, another may see as arrogant. Or what one person views as easygoing, another may see as apathetic. I talked to a mom who labeled her son a picky eater. She said it as though it was a fact. But when I asked her to list out all the actual facts, the fruits and vegetables and proteins her son did eat, my opinion of those facts was that he ate a great variety of foods. I wouldn't have classified him as picky at all. The funny thing is that by labeling him as picky, she felt so frustrated that she stopped offering him new foods to try. 
By giving him the same food every day, she unintentionally reinforced her belief that he was a picky eater. Labels limit our view because as soon as we put a label on someone, our brains go to work seeking more evidence for it. Of course, labels influence the way kids think and feel about themselves too, creating self-fulfilling prophecies. They'll start to behave in ways and even put themselves in situations that match up to the label they've been assigned. At school, I see students unconsciously behave in ways that perpetuate their labels. Even the labels you'd think kids would want to escape or prove wrong, like mean or bully, aren't easily changed because kids internalize them and because other people have decided that that's who they are. So they filter everything those kids do through the lens of their label. For example, if there's a girl who's been labeled as a troublemaker and she just happens to be at the same table as some rowdy students in the cafeteria, who do you think the teacher is likely to accuse when she looks over and sees who's there? Right or wrong, that girl has been labeled a troublemaker, so the teacher assumes she's involved in the ruckus. You'd probably want your child to steer clear of her too. Before even getting a chance to know her yourself, you'd create expectations and beliefs about her based on that label. I see it happen all the time. We can't assume we know our kids or that their personalities are ever fixed. One thing that Hal Runkle, the author of Scream Free Parenting, says is that no one is ever always anything. The so-called smart kid isn't always smart about things. The so-called dits isn't always ditzy. So as I talked about in last week's episode, can you find evidence that the opposite is sometimes true? Can you see that your wild child isn't always wild or that your shy kid isn't always shy? Hal taught me that what we say about our kids is often more powerful than what we say to them. It shapes how we think about them, which in turn affects how we feel and interact with them. He suggested that I make a small but powerful change in the way I talk to and about my daughters. Instead of speaking in absolutes, as in, she's so smart, or she's so stubborn, I started using the words, can be. I taught a parenting class once where I had my students practice introducing their kids to the group this way. I also had them include the words right now when talking about their kids' interests. So here's how it would sound for me to introduce my girls to you today. Marissa is 13 years old. Right now, she loves everything to do with baking. She can be very thoughtful and kind and funny and perceptive. She can also be persistent and needy. Dahlia is 10 years old. Right now, she loves to read and write and play the bass guitar. Dahlia can be silly and loud and moody. She can also be hardworking, generous, and polite. If I were to say Marissa is thoughtful and kind, and then she did something that wasn't thoughtful and kind, how would that impact my perception of her or her perception of herself? Dahlia can be moody is very different than Dahlia is moody. We can all be moody at times. It doesn't mean she's always moody or that she's incapable of being cheerful and calm. Saying you can be so smart or you sure can be stubborn doesn't always come naturally or easily for me, but by altering my language, 
I'm able to perceive my daughters and they see themselves as people with a full range of characteristics who are constantly evolving and are capable of change and growth. Every year at the school where I work, we hold student profile meetings before the first week of school so the teachers have an overview of who's in their classes. And every year, the student support services team struggles with how much information to share from previous years. Because while certain information is important or necessary, such as what accommodations the child receives according to his or her individualized plan, or certain family dynamics, we don't want one teacher's experience with or opinion of a child to color the new teacher's perception. And kids may change from year to year. They may mature over the summer and behave differently with new teachers and peers. Plus, teachers differ when it comes to how patient or tolerant they are of student behavior. I will mention, however, that some students and families find it helpful to have a diagnostic label, such as ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, dyslexia, or anxiety, to name a few. These labels provide a context for the student's behavior that can sometimes bring a sense of relief. The last thing I'll caution you about when it comes to labeling kids is the impact it can have on siblings. I know a mom who always referred to her older son as smart and her younger son as cute. The younger one grew up believing he wasn't the smart one, so he didn't apply himself in school and he struggled academically. Labels can create comparisons and competition between siblings. Take an honest look at how you classify your kids. Labels can either be spoken or implied. Is there one child you view as more responsible, so you ask him to help you more often? Is there one you regard as funnier and that you find yourself laughing more with? Kids pick up on these things and sometimes label themselves, too. Expect your kids to surprise you and look for evidence that they aren't ever always anything, except special, unique, and always evolving. There's nothing inherently wrong with labeling. We all do it, mostly unconsciously. By raising your awareness, you can become more conscious of the labels you use and decide whether they're serving you and your family. Were you labeled as a kid? How did it affect you? Leave a comment on today's show notes at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash 065 and let me know. As always, I'm happy to speak with you about your specific situation and help you apply everything I talk about here on the podcast to your own family and situation. Sign up for your free mini session with me at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini. And I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe too so you never miss a show. Got a question, comment, or idea for an upcoming episode? Email me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com. Listener.